You are listening to Rouge, White, and Blue, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. My name is Oz Davis. I'm the co-host of the show. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Joe Pritchard. Joe, how are you doing? I hope you're doing better than whoever tabulated the votes for the CFL All-Star. Uh, it might be a career-altering decision <laughs> that they made, unfortunately. But uh, then again, it's not. Uh, I feel like this happened at the Oscars, too. So I guess we can't feel too bad about things. Yeah, how about that? How about that? What's good for Warren Beatty is good for the CFL. Um, yeah, so basically, I'm sure that you know if you're listening to the podcast, uh, just talking about uh, the the all-star game snafu that the CFL had over the past couple of days. Here's the November the 3rd. So in the past couple of days, first, the CFL offices released a list of all-star teams, which were kind of interesting because they included choices like Andrew Harris of the Argos, who went for 670 total yards this year and zero touchdowns in eight games. And also, more interestingly, Donald Rutledge Jr. of the Bombers, who made the All-Star team. Did you know this, Joe? He's an All-Star. He's on the practice squad, but he's an All-Star for the West. So <laughs> a couple of days later, uh, the C- actually one day later, the CFL released the proper teams. Um, I was a little bit surprised, and, and you know, I don't really, uh, you know, want to go against Adam Bigel or anything, but I was kind of surprised that he was chosen over Daryl Sankey, uh, who was the writer's choice for the defensive MLP, uh, whereas Jefferson was Bomber's uh, nominee for that award. But um, yeah, I guess it was good. I guess the new teams were good for writers haters. Because the Riders placed one player on the West team, and that was Mario Alford on special teams. So I, I guess things kind of worked out in the end, Andrew. Yeah, for the for the Rider haters and those that put a <laughs> lot of stock into awards. And right. to be clear, I haven't. I I just I, I just don't. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. this was kind of a clear reason why <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like i don't get too worked up about these things but yeah i mean mm-hmm. when you talk about things like big hill over sankey you always see in awards that a veteran of long standing that still plays at a high level is always going to get the nod over right. somebody that hasn't done it quite as long even if they've had a better season and i'm not even going to wade into the discussion between the two mm-hmm. but that's what I've seen over the course of the 30 plus years I've followed sports that that's what happens with awards. Your, your better, your veterans are going to get the nods over, over less heralded players, even if they have a better season. Right. Yeah. It's a reputation pick. And, you know, again, this is based on voting of various people in the league and fans and whatnot, which, Ultimately, it's a really bad idea because somewhere along the line, I guess the CFL Players Association picked up the same idea that's being used in American professional sports leagues where these awards are used in the negotiating of contracts. Probably probably a bad idea in the CFL and one of the main reasons why everybody was such up in arms 
about this little error here because you know you're playing with guys financial futures so i mean obviously not for very long but and then i i also kind of wondered this i mean okay so so they said there was an error in the tabulation of votes does that mean that somebody is voting for donald rutledge i mean his name must have come up somewhere so you know, Andrew Harris is getting votes. Well, it just it just goes to show that the bombers, uh, the bombers' second team is better than most teams' first team. <laughs> it's it's good enough to be on an all star team sometimes. <laughs> okay, so that that was the fun and games for the week. We also had a slate of games, but I'm not going to get too heavy into that. Uh, we do Joe have I, we do actually have a Grey Cup related announcement, not the halftime show like everybody has uh, been so eager to hear about. But hey, Vancouver's got the 2024 Grey Cup, so yeah, that'll be a fun one. I, I, it's been really nice to see just the sea change that's gone on over there in the past mm-hmm. year with uh, the new ownership and how things have shifted from a dormant football market to a vibrant one really quickly. Yeah, yeah. Ever since we've been doing the show, uh, the BC market has been kind of lukewarm on this team. And uh, the team itself hasn't exactly been world beaters over this past six, seven years or so. But, yeah, you're right. They were, if any team is a success story this season, it's BC Lions, just for the infrastructure and whatnot, uh, the progress that they made in that fan base this year. Um so good for them, Vancouver. Hey, that that will make it much more likely that I will ever actually go see one of these things, one of these great cups. So being in Vancouver. Um, but uh, yeah, I'd rather get uh, on to the playoffs because uh, this is what we tend to watch professional sports for. Uh, I, of course, will be sad to see the CFL season end, but this is where it's nut cutting time, as they say. So I figured that uh, the way that I was going to do this is, especially with this first round, uh, these games are now really thought to be uh, close. These are going to be nail biters uh, if the sports books and other experts are correct. Now let's talk about that Eastern game first. Number three seed Hamilton Tiger Cats, just three-point underdogs at number two seed Montreal Alouettes. The over-under on that is 48 and a half points. So the sports books are forecasting a final score of about 26-23 on this one. Okay, so Joe, the way that I'm going to do this is I think that these games are so, uh, or at least they're being portrayed as being very tightly contested, that the case can be made for either of these teams in both games. So I'm going to go to you first, and I'm going to say, who are you picking in this game? And... What will that team have to do to win? And I'll take the other side. Sure. So you're going to take the side of you being sad on Sunday (laughs) because I'm taking Montreal. And what they need to do to win is they need to get the ball out of Dane, out of any quarterback's hands that Hamilton throws out there, to be fair. Um, They need to cause havoc. They need to make turnovers. And then they also need to not make mistakes on their own we've seen them grow more disciplined over the course of the season although we 
took our shots at that because it took a while to happen. Uh, they'll have the cold weather running game to be able to chew up some time here and there. Uh, I just see them as the more likely candidates. It feels like Hamilton's the sexy pick here. Uh, and that's the first time in the history of ever anybody's ever said that. Uh, <laughs> but I think people are leaning that way because they have warmed up in the second half of the season after having a rough go of it early. But I think after the first month, Montreal has been more of a consistent team. Hamilton is on that 4-0 run, uh, but two of those games are against Ottawa, once against Saskatchewan, so not much to say about that. Um, I should have said at the top of this segment, Montreal has won two out of three games this season, but all three games were within a touchdown. Uh, I was trying to look at, because I kind of figured I was going to get the Hamilton side of this argument, so I was trying to look at what is the secret of their their you know their five and one lately their four and zero run, and man, I just couldn't put anything together. Um, I guess okay, so so I got it down to a couple of things. I think that Hamilton wins if they generate turnovers, especially in the fourth quarter. Okay, the turnover thing is something I like to look at, but. In that win against Ottawa a couple of weeks ago, you know, four turnovers. Uh, in the win against Calgary, okay, two turnovers, and one of them was a uh, turnover on Dallas. Okay, so maybe you're onto something here, but eh, it's very hard to tell because there are other times, for example, when they lost to Montreal, uh, again, only two turnovers in that game, no interceptions. So hard to tell on the turnover thing, but the truth is, is that Hamilton has been really terrible, pretty much, in the second half, and especially in that fourth quarter. I mean, this is what's been killing them. They have been able to cover up their turnovers most of the time, but nothing has been able to stop from scoring on them, especially in the fourth quarter. Um, my idea is that if Schultz is in the game for more than six plays, the Thai Cats can win this thing. Okay? Because it says they're getting into a lot of third and shorts, or that, you know, they made the right decision, they went with Schultz. Because look, Schultz is better against Montreal. You know, I just I I can't get around that. Uh in the most recent game they played, these two teams played, uh Schultz was the starter. 27 of 39 for 303 yards and two touchdowns against zero interceptions. Now, if they, if if the Ticats hadn't made a couple of dumb mistakes in that game, they might have won that. But the truth is it's kind of difficult in the final analysis looking at the big picture to go with Hamilton uh, in this game. Look, they got a negative 52-point differential and 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 for the season. And what's what really tears it for me is this team is – Two and seven on the road this season. That's the worst in the league, Joe. That's the worst in the league. That's worse than Edmonton. That's worse than Ottawa. Now, I know those teams can't win at home, but still, two and seven on the road, you're losing to everybody with a record like that. So 
I think that's really the sticking point. I just, there's nothing, since there's nothing you can really point to as commonality in their wins, I'm going to go with the commonality in their losses, man. I'm just going to say they can't play on the road. Okay. I mean, I want to say the CFL.ca selections were like four out of five Hamilton, if I'm not mistaken. Wow. So I believe that there's some people that, to be fair, probably know a whole lot more than I do that have seen something or are riding a hot streak. I think Hamilton is trending up because of the winning streak whereas montreal is kind of flat probably right now yeah they've been they've been up and down and up and down but not in like a huge roller coaster way yeah 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 so i don't know i i just and i swear to god this isn't um you know uh favoritism or no, because you don't. Because you're like me with the bombers five years ago. Where yeah, I'm, find, I'm looking. If you could find the cliff, you jump off of it. Right. I mean, I'm looking. Well, I don't know about that. I'm looking oh, for. Figuratively. The, I'm just looking for the key to Hamilton winning this game, and I can't find it. Actually, my question for you was going to be this game's going to be about the mistake, isn't it? This game's going to be about who makes the worst mistake. Right. And who can capitalizes on the other team making one because it might not be clear cut which mistake is the killer right it's gonna be who can make it count Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and hamilton has been good about covering their mistakes their turnover mistakes in general this season they have been good at that on the other hand they will come they will make turnovers and they've made many of them or too many penalties so it's going to be up to Montreal I think to capitalize on that but again like I just don't really see the pathway other than Schiltz (laughs) all right in the west we've got what is forecast to be an even tighter game Calgary Stampeders just two and a half point underdogs at BC Lions slightly higher scoring game expected over under 50 and a half points so, again, we're looking at a score of about 27-24. Uh, the series was 2-1 to one to BC Lions, but the visiting team won all three games, which is pretty wild, uh, considering how Calgary did at home, which I'll talk about in just a second. And uh, in the last game between these two teams, Calgary finally broke through and won 25-11 against Vernon Adams, Antonio Pipkin at quarterback in vancouver um one of the key things about calgary to me and i'll let you make a pick in just a sec but i just wanted to get this back in there direct contrast to hamilton right calgary is seven and two on the road seven and two they're they're tied for the best in the league and guess what guess what the next stat is going to be the only two losses at winnipeg Mm-hmm. I mean, like, like I was just sitting here when, when you said seven or two. It's like hmm, I think I know who those two were. <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, geez, this is a good team on the road. In any case, um, okay, who do you like in this game, though, Joe, and why? It, it, they're a very good team. Their ceiling and their floor are very close to each other. We know who they are. They are who we thought, who we think they are. We know what to expect out of them. What we don't know 
is what to expect out of BC. Mm-hmm. Nathan Rourke appears healthy. He played long enough last week to show that it looked like he could do what he had to do. They didn't screw around. They didn't put him in situations to get him hurt. But they made sure he could go before they hit the playoffs. So my question is, is he going to be is he going to be back to what he was early in the season this quickly after an injury? The ceiling on that is ridiculous. We've seen that. The floor on that is also we've seen that because if he can't go or re-injures himself, we know that the quarterbacking behind him is suspect, let's be fair. Uh, we know that Vernon's the same way. If he gets in the game early, it's either the ceiling or the floor, and there's really not a whole lot in between. I think the difference in this game is going to be the home crowd and the atmosphere. BC hasn't played this big of a game at home in a long time, and they're opening up the upper deck because Mm. people are excited. That place can get loud. BC has a high ceiling. If they can get on a roll early and get the crowd behind them, they could run away with this. Or... If it, if it goes the opposite way, it could be a train wreck, the complete opposite way. Uh, the odds makers are calling this a close one because they don't have a damn clue which way that's going to break. And I don't think anybody <laughs> else does either. I'm going to go with the home team okay. because uh, if you're in a coin flip situation like that, I'm going to take the home team. It's not going to be a close game. One way or the other, it's going to be... Wow. The bus is the bus is going to leave the station by the end of the first quarter, and it's just going to keep rolling the same way it's been going. We'll know mm. late in the first quarter, maybe early in the second, which way this bad boy is going. Really? Okay. Wow, that's an interesting take. Okay, I got some stats for you. Um, are you going to hedge? Going to hedge one way or another? I've already called for BC here. Oh, you got BC. Yeah, you're going with the whole team. Right. Okay, sorry. Okay. The truth is, is that with Rourke, let's include the last game. With Rourke, eight and two. Without him, four and four. Including two and three against playoff teams. One of which was Winnipeg and their backup quarterback, who I think threw two big sixes in this game. Am I correct? Right. Uh, Winnipeg Winnipeg was sitting a whole bunch of guys and – Stayed far more competitive than I think they should have. Right, right, right. And um, okay, so so we have that going. And and I I was thinking of something, and I heard this way a few years ago about um, these big play quarterbacks, like like Nathan Murph, really the top big play quarterback in the CFL this year. One of the weird things that happens when you get this guy that can make things happen in a single play is the defense is willing to gamble, right? The defense is willing to make go for the big play as well. And, you know, that's the sort of confidence that BC defense is going to bring to this game. Now, here's the thing, okay? Here's the key stat I found for BC. BC can win. If they, they're going to be in a much better position to win if they score 29 points or more. Here's the deal. Calgary has scored 28 points or more 13 times this season. I believe that's the 
most in the CFL. But they lost five of those games, including twice to BC. Okay, so Calgary is probably going to score a lot of points unless they're a train wreck from the field. And and they're not going to be. It's either BC is going to have to beat them. Yeah, Calgary is going to score a lot of points. So, so if you think Calgary is going to score a lot of points, that means BC is going to put up a heck of a lot of points because you've also got like a potential blowout here going. Uh, I'm gonna okay. So I guess the argument for Calgary is that okay, these teams have already played together three times, but in different compositions. So let's not go with the past experience so much. Uh, Calgary is in general. Um, average against the pass. I think they're right in the middle in terms of, you know, um, yards allowed, touchdowns allowed, uh, things like that. But, and they face the most attempts this year too in the whole league. So, but they're near the top against the run and their second fumbles generated and they're near the top in interceptions as well. Calgary's main problem, I think, this season has been about the magic, right, Joe? Is that they they don't have the je ne sais quoi that they've had in previous years. You know, they ended up one Pythagorean win uh, below the expected level. Um, so I think what this is going to be about for Calgary is they're going to have to that lead. I honestly think that the only way that Calgary is going to win this game is if they go wired. I just don't see it because I also believe that, and somebody on CFL.ca, the official website, um, wrote something similar today. I think the more that the stamps run, better their chances. Now, I think you could probably graph that online. Now, now, I don't know if that's the game plan because, again, they've consistently been a very high-scoring, well, actually a middle-range scoring team because they've only topped 40 once this year, but they tend to top 28. So they're usually scoring in that 30-point range all year. Now, I don't know if this game they're going to want to slow that down, but it could be better if they do, especially if they get the ball first. Yeah, we'll have to see. We're going to... We're going to know early if BC is going to put up a lot of points. Calgary's going to know that too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Don't, yeah. Don't, don't even, yeah. You could yeah. say that, oh, sure, Calgary's going to give up an early score or two, but they'll buckle down. It's like, no, they're going to know, even if they don't want to admit it, they're going to know if BC is going to roll up a lot of points. Mm-hmm. And they're going to know if they have to play a shootout or if they could slow things down. And they're going oh, to yeah. I'm it. totally expecting on that first play of the game, it's going to be a 60 yard pass. Totally expecting. I don't know if they'll complete it or not, but yeah, I think the first thing he's going to do is just go along with the first play. I honestly do. I, I just see if they have that that proposition bit on the sports book because yeah, I think this this is going to feel like a Denver Broncos Super Bowl kind of situation here for the for the uh, um, Lions. So okay, okay. So I don't know. Do you think this is going to be a shootout? There's going to be a lot of points in this game? It'll have to be if BC wins. Because I don't think BC is going to keep Calgary off the scoreboard. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. BC also has the sky's limit on this one as far as what they can do. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. the 
ground is far, far away. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Great. Well, I'm looking forward to that game, especially. Wow. This is this is a game that a lot of people have been looking forward to since, gee, I don't know, week three, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Whenever it became apparent that nobody was going to stop Winnipeg this year, I think that this has been a much anticipated game. This I BC think it was Lions more like week, week four or five. Yeah. Where- where Winnipeg was winning ugly early and then BC's blowing people out yeah. and Winnipeg goes into BC and just says, nope, we're still the champs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And since then, people were looking for a way for Calgary to overtake BC and they never did. <laughs> and they, they never, never did. did. And, you th- nope. and they had their chances. Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they did. Vernon Adams was a starter over there for a while in BC. Calgary easily could have made up that difference. Um, in any case, okay, great. So then next week, we're presumably looking at what Winnipeg, BC, and uh, Hamilton versus uh, um, Toronto. Or are, 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 are you going to um, claim that you're terrible at CFL pickup? Well, we'll see how good I am this time. <laughs> This is one of my better pickup years over the last three or four. Oh, good. All right, then. We will wrap it up here. We will talk to you next week. Uh, Enjoy the games. Wow, this should be a lot of fun. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter. 